0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective 2020 on Vision
1: You may know families where the parents have done their absolute best and suffer real disappointment when their teenagers decide not to follow their parents' faith and pursue their own path at turning their back even on God. There might be lots of reasons for that and nobody pretends that parenting is easy or that passing on faith to a new generation is easy. So a candid conversation today about parenting and passing on our faith to our children in an effective way. Our special guest over this next hour is Helen Devnish. Helen is a wife, a mother of nine. She's pastor, she's an evangelist, she's an artist, and the author of the book, Let's Go Fearless Evangelism. So is Helen a super mum? Well, Helen has been applying her wisdom to the challenge of parenting and training up children in a godly way, and we'll share some things today. Helen Devnish, a special welcome back to 2020.
2: Thank you for having me back. It's great to be back.
1: Uh, well, Helen, uh, you've got lots of things to contribute. And uh, when we were discussing this sort of uh, topic today and in preparation uh, there's a few radical things that or things that look radical these days uh, that you've employed in parenting but let me just come back to some beginnings here because you never imagined that when you married your husband David that you would end up with nine children uh, let's start nine. with uh, let's start with parenting and uh, and discuss those nine children of yours uh, uh, give us a little bit of a, a, a snapshot of uh, like an in a nutshell idea or what happens in your family
2: okay so our children now range in age from 32 years down to 11 years three are married so we only have six at home which is a lot less than having nine at home and uh, so we're still homeschooling the younger ones and maybe we'll talk about that a bit more in a while. And. So life does revolve around what the kids are doing with the homeschooling, but we're also very heavily involved in the street ministry now. Obviously, I do evangelism. We pastor a church. We run youth nights. So all those things kind of connect together to see us as a family doing God's work together. And obviously, yeah, when we did get married, we were not thinking we would have so many children. It wasn't easy having a big family, and we had a lot of issues. I had a lot of miscarriages as well. So we persevered. We believe children are a blessing from the Lord, and the Word says if you train up a child in the way you should go, you'll not depart from it. So obviously, having had a big family, that has impacted us in a way to think, how can we bring up our children so that they are more likely to want to walk with the Lord rather than... Doing what a lot of people are doing, send them off to school, you know, um, doing things that we've actually chosen to do differently, which has been difficult because when you don't do what everyone else is doing, you can kind of get a little bit um, backstabbed, slandered. But I believe there's been good fruit in it, and the homeschooling for us, I think, has been a huge thing. It's meant we've lived off one income, for so. Well, the whole time we've been married, we've had one income. And that's been a faith journey as well. But the Lord has provided for us. And that's been difficult too, because at times we have lived of very, very little. So that's meant times where our faith has really had to grow. i have not had a career outside the home. And even now with the ministry, obviously it's a family ministry, even though I, I'm the one that does a lot of the evangelism. I hope
1: that's answered your question. Well, we are. I did say, is Helen a super mum? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are coming to mind as you're sharing those things. Uh, The idea of sacrifice, uh, we'll get to that. But even something that comes before the idea of being very sacrificial as a parent and being available for your children to raise them, uh, this idea that somehow or other... Uh, children, you know, we, as Christians, we look at them as a, you know, reward, a blessing from God. And a lot of young Christian couples who are intending marriage, uh, with the expectation that they'll have a family and they'll be wanting to raise their children in godly ways. But there is a sense, isn't there? And I just, I'll get your perspective when we look a little more broadly, this idea that somehow or other, You've worked out your family situation. You know, you want to have two children, a pigeon pair, one male, one female. And uh, almost in the in the sense that your children are accessories, like going out to buy a, you know, for for women, going out to buy a handbag. uh, For men, going out to, you know, have a nice car. Uh, the idea of, of your children, children are more valuable than any of the accessories, but somehow or other there's a certain sense in which people can think of children as accessories and, and almost a burden to raise them. What are your thoughts on, on attitudes to children right from the earliest times? Well,
2: I've always seen children as a blessing, and obviously, because we had a lot of miscarriages as well, that really helps you to realize, wow, every time I've lost a baby through miscarriage, that's a life that's been lost. And so I've always seen children as a blessing. You know, the Word of God says that children are our heritage, they're our future, you know, and the fruit of the womb is our reward. And I think if we're looking at them just as accessories, oh we've got to have kids because everyone else expects us to, I think that's not probably a good motive to have them, but when we're having them and saying, "Lord, I want these children, I want them to to bring them up in your ways. Bit like Hannah when she was really pleading with the Lord to have a baby, and she'd had no child in you know, Hannah in the Bible, um, you know, and she gave samuel to the lord and i think we have that attitude children are a blessing they're not a burden if we see them as a burden they will pick that up and then i believe there will be rebellion from children because they'll know you know something's not quite right they'll sense that whereas when you love hanging around your children they're a blessing even when you're tired i've had lots of sleepless nights being a mom <laughs> you know but I just see the children as a blessing. There's been hard times, you know, like when all of them were at home. I was very sick at one point when we had our last child and it looked like everything had fallen apart for us. You know, like I was very, very unwell uh, physically, emotionally, but the Lord restored and the children all helped. So I just see children are a blessing, but they, as they get older, if we don't train them up in God's ways then I think there won't be that blessing. There's kind of, you know, the promise is with the training up. You know, we need to teach our children you know, and train them in God's ways, not leave it for the world to train them, not leave it for their peers to train them.
1: You know, when you reflect on hard times, and as as we've been just exploring here a little bit, attitudes to children, loving hearing your attitudes to children as a blessing from the Lord, uh, but for a lot of people, they want to avoid the hard times. We want to resist the idea of hard times. Uh, you mentioned that you and your husband, davids you were raising your children and a big family uh, and going down to one income. A lot of families, they'll say, well, I couldn't pay the bills if we didn't have two incomes coming in. So we have uh, the dual income parents and that will restrict... Uh, sometimes the sorts of view or goals that we might have in the number of children we might have and the amount of time that we might dedicate into raising our children. So uh, what are your thoughts about the expectation of hard times? Because a lot of people are trying to avoid the hard times, resist that, have plenty of money, but not have the children.
2: I think it's good for your kids to see you struggle at times and even financially, because then our children would see us praying, asking God to provide, but also the expectation of not having to have what everyone else has had. So for a lot of years, we had one vehicle. Now we've got obviously adult kids and they pay for their own, they're working. It's different. But for many, many years, we had one vehicle. um, No overseas holidays, no holidays at all, actually, you know, but just learning to be content with what we have. And you actually can live off little. Look, my husband is an engineer. Uh, But we went through a stage for about five years where we tried doing some home business and that was financially disastrous. But during those years, when our older ones were in their teens, I believe it was very um, valuable that time, even though we did not have much money. Everyone had holy socks. We used to uh, have a laugh that we're being very holy (laughs) because we all had holy socks because even socks are so expensive, you know, but. I think we need to um, have that attitude that being a Christian is not always going to be easy and doing things God's way is not always going to be easy. And I believe as a Christian, there is a cost. And even in raising a family, there can be a cost, you know, to doing that, not just financial cost, but yeah, laying your life down kind of cost, being willing to just sow into your family. And, as you know, obviously I've been the one at home doing the homeschooling and the homemaking most of the time, all the time, and my husband's helped, obviously, where he can, but I don't regret it one bit, you know? Like, I now see my kids are now having an impact on others because they're walking with the Lord, and because they are, that frees me up to then be out on the streets of Hobart sharing the gospel and also for the kids that I meet to see a functioning family, a family with a mother, a father, and children who all love each other, who all get on together. And that actually does blow people's minds in these days because there's so many families that have sadly broken down.
1: Well, Helen, a lot of listeners will be saying, I'm not used to hearing this style of conversation about families and, uh, you know, talking about hardships. Mostly we're trying to avoid the hardships. But the big, big upside to your family situation and our conversation today uh, is that your children are following the Lord. And so yeah. really when we talk about what the goal of our parenting might be, some will say, uh, surely passing on our faith to the next generation So that they are followers of Jesus Christ, so that their ethical attitudes, the way that they will conduct their relationships, the way that they will pursue business and career, uh, all shaped by their faith in Christ. And, of course, eternal assurance and salvation are clearly one of those goals that we have as parents for our children. The big upside to all of the sacrifice and the hard times is that that is the result. And you mentioned that all of your children are following the Lord.
2: That's right. And look, obviously, God's grace is at work in that, you know, for there to be such a good outcome. And, and we will never know how much the Lord has helped us and blessed us. But we've also chosen to do things very differently uh, to the norm, which, like I've said, it's had a cost because people then can look at you and think you're different. And that doesn't always mean that that's acceptable to people, like just having a big family, you know, I've got called rabbit, not just by non-Christians, but Christians. You know, and when we had our first two, you know, we had a boy and a girl, and people were saying, well, you've got your pigeon pair. Why would you want any more? Well, I'm glad I didn't listen, <laughs> <laughs> because now we have the others. So we asked all our children, or I did a couple of weeks ago, what they felt was the reason why they were all walking with the Lord, because obviously it's good to hear their perspective, not just mine. And... I asked them all individually, so they didn't know what each other was saying, and all of them said it was about David and me being real, not being hypocrites, you know, um, obviously one of them acknowledged the homeschooling, where they've not been influenced by worldly people, when they're still young and impressionable, and not able to stand up for the truth, but they've all said it about David and me being real. And look, it doesn't mean we're perfect. We are not perfect. We've made mistakes. We've said sorry to our kids. If we've said things we shouldn't have, you know, but I think it then gets back to as parents, if we want our kids to walk with the Lord, it starts with us, that we are being real in our walk, that we're not just going to church on Sundays, putting on a smiley face, being different around people at church and then coming home yelling and screaming, looking at R-rated movies, you know, just spending all your time on your iPhone or whatever and not spending time with your kids. You know, the kids pick that up. And I think as teenagers, I've always said, teenagers will pick a hypocrite a mile away. So I believe we have to be very um real in our walk with the Lord because we can't expect our kids to be real with their walk with the Lord if we are not.
0: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision.
1: Helen Devonish is our guest and a mother of nine talking about children and passing on faith to the next generation and one of those important aspects that we're exploring a little with Helen today is the fact that all of her children are following the Lord and it is a challenge and a disappointment to parents uh, when our children decide not to follow in the faith of parents. Uh, Let me just ask you Helen, I mean we're talking really quite personally about some of these things. Uh, It's easy for people to be offended uh, when their parenting style is being questioned and I guess there's no intention at all uh, to offend today but uh, I suppose you do stand on a few toes when you say "Well, just go back to having one income uh, spend all of that time uh, just nurturing your children uh, uh, homeschooling uh, we'll even talk about television in just a few moments but uh, people are easily offended even just when you tell your story how do you reflect on that?
2: Look, it is difficult and, you know, my heart is obviously not to bring any unnecessary offence, but to encourage people to be willing to step out of the box and be different if need be. Sometimes I think people can think, I know I've got to do something different, but I'm too scared. What will other people think? And I think just be concerned what the Lord thinks, you know, and really the most important thing I believe for Christian parents is that we are raising our kids so that they know the Lord. And I say, do whatever it takes. Count the cost because it's only for a moment in time. Like even now, you know, I've only got three kids who aren't adults. You know, time just whizzes by, you know, but it's definitely been worth the cost of doing what we have done. You know, before I met my husband, I wanted to be an architect. You know, when we started going out together when I was 16, he was 19, I thought, oh, I don't think I'm going to study for all those years. And I end up doing graphic design. And we very early on in our marriage felt, no, children are a blessing. We're going to start a family early on. We hadn't been married that many months when I got pregnant. And, you know, that's just been a good thing. And, And now... 32 years down the track, we're seeing the results of that, and it is an absolute blessing.
1: And just uh, 90 seconds or so from news, uh, the idea that our children will have picked up on the values that we have as parents, and uh, you've got adult children now, and uh, I wonder whether you can reflect whether uh, you can see them following in your set of values and wanting to raise their families in the same way that you and David have done.
2: Well, obviously that's got to be there. Choice, their walk with the Lord to do that. So we have two grandchildren at this stage, another two on the way. So I do know our eldest grandchild is nearly four, and so his parents, that's our eldest son and his wife, have actually decided they are going to homeschool. So I think that's a good thing, obviously, and I trust that you know we will be able to help and encourage them. And I think these days there are more people homeschooling. When we started 22 years ago. We knew of one other family that was doing it, and it was really out there to homeschool, whereas now there is um, a lot bigger community of homeschoolers, and we're in Tasmania, so there's quite a big community here.
1: Yes, well, uh, homeschooling is having a real upsurge, and uh, there might be listeners who might like to contribute to our conversation uh, in some of these areas. Uh, Helen, let's talk about uh, some of the things that you've done that for some will sound quite radical uh, but uh, talking about the idea of having children that will follow on and have faith in Christ. Uh, some of the things that you've done like, uh, like ditching the television. Uh, come to that one with us for a few moments because uh, for a lot of people that would be just about an impossibility. What are your thoughts?
2: Okay, so we used to have our TV on quite a lot and when we actually started homeschooling which is 22 years ago now so I can't really be having TV on in the day watching the midday show and things I think I don't think I really want my kids watching that so we started thinking more about the effect of the TV and also often in our homes the furniture's all kind of placed around this TV And so we started not watching it much. We might just watch some sport or news at night, but eventually we actually decided to get rid of it altogether. And for us, I think it's one of the best things we ever did because then our evenings were free. And so our children, a lot of the old ones, very musical, taught themselves musical instruments. Obviously, being on one income, we couldn't afford lessons, but they taught themselves Uh, to play all different kinds of instruments. My husband was into bluegrass kind of music at the time, so they're taking up instruments like the fiddle and uh, that kind of thing because he plays the banjo. But as time's gone on, they've got more electrified, so you know electric guitars and basses and drums, and that's been a really good thing, and also just having that more family time in the evening. So it's been huge all at the time it was because we didn't have a computer or...
1: Uh, mobile phone or anything else like that. Okay, well, because a lot of teenagers these days aren't watching a lot of television in the same way they might have been 20 years ago, but uh, they have gravitated towards the internet and social media. Uh, As all of that has emerged with your family, how have you dealt with that over the years and uh, what sort of parenting uh advice do you have for for limiting some of those things that are oftentimes a dreadful influence on our teenagers
2: okay so we do have uh time frames for computer games and also obviously games that we're happy for them to watch uh the kids also watch can watch one movie a week that we're happy for them to watch as well so it's kind of it's guided I guess, but obviously then comes the telephone. So when a kid has a telephone, they have access to so much stuff just at their fingertips. So in our family, our kids don't get a phone until they get their first job. So our 14, nearly 15-year-old son, Joseph, just got a job a couple of months ago in a cafe, and so he has now bought his own mobile phone, but he knows that we're going to also check how he's going with it, you know, checking who he's messaging and texting, even a couple of days, I said, let me just check that out, you know, and having that accountability is good. I mean, some people might say that's just controlling, but he's still a kid, he's a teenager. And if we're not having accountability, then I think they're not so likely to be able to resist temptation. So, you know, I'll check with my kids, I'll ask them, are they finding it, um, there's temptation there? look at things they shouldn't, because obviously pornography is a huge thing these days, which kids can look at on their mobile phones and out on the streets when I'm talking to the kids. That is one of the biggest things that they find it so hard to resist. But as we raise our kids up in God's way and obviously tell them that pornography is not right, it's sin before God, and my little saying is never look twice. So even if something comes up on your phone, inadvertently, or Facebook, or something like that, that you um, don't look back, don't look twice. And that comes from self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit. Also, with the social media, we actually don't let our kids go on social media till they're even a bit older. So our nearly 15-year-old son is not on Facebook or Instagram or anything at this stage. He's not in a think about that. He's quite happy because he trusts us. As his parents, he obviously can see the good fruit in his older siblings, and so he's happy to wait. He's not trying to push us to force him to do that. And I think that, look, that can be hard. Sometimes, you know, kids might want what their friends have got, but if you have the relationship with your kids, and that's, you know, a big thing, trying to keep their hearts, that's what the Bible encourages us to do, is that we keep the hearts of our children you know and it is hard in this day and age but as we're willing to be different and even talk to our kids why we're doing these things so they have the understanding of that as they get older obviously a 2 year old or 4 year old might not understand things that you're doing but as they get into the teenage years say, look this is why we don't want you to have a phone this is why we don't want you on social media yet you know because the temptations are so great and so many people are falling into sin because of that temptation with especially the pornography, X-rated movies, all that kind of thing.
1: Well, Helen, there's a couple of things here to draw out because a lot of people will say, well, it's so hard to protect our children from all of the advances in technology and the pervasiveness of the internet and social media, uh, so therefore we won't do anything. But uh, you've taken a more radical approach and you've said, I'm going to protect my children from... Uh, These things that we could classify as evil when you start to talk about uh, pornography, dehumanizing uh, pornography or uh, X-rated movies, all those sorts of things. So protecting your children. Now let's come to the idea of enforcing or reinforcing positive values because you and your husband David uh, I think you lead the church Church on the Rock part of your love Hobart Uh, so no doubt uh, with all your children who've been learning musical instruments and you know spending their time doing that rather than just on social media or playing computer games uh, you've got a certain sense in which they're maneuvered into a position where they're a part of the growth of your church now it's a small church as I understand it but tell us about how your children are involved in church life
2: okay so the three married ones are actually not a part of our church so they're in other churches using their musical gifts actually they're all in the same one so we have the uh, six are still at home are still with us in that so my husband is actually our musician and um, three of our children sing as well so that's been good because look we don't I'm trying to explain. We don't try to force our children to do these things. If you try to force your kids to do something, then I think they will rebel anyway. So I think it's showing them the right way and encouraging them to take the right path with God. And look, if my husband needs a break from music, I could ring up our kids, our married one and say, look, could you please come and play today because Dad needs a break And look, if they're free, they would do that for us. So, you know, we have, you know, obviously a good relationship there, but they're also finding their feet elsewhere and doing things in the church elsewhere. So that's a good thing. And then the ones in our church, look, even our 11-year-old daughter, she's preached twice. You know, when you have a small church, often it's easier to get people to have a go at doing things because there's not so many people, it's not so scary written her own sermons. You know, she's re- really she's a little smiler. She smiles a lot. She comes out in the street ministry with me most Friday afternoons. So she's loved doing that. She's preached. Our um fourteen year old son has preached a couple of times as well. So of course we encourage that, but we encourage that with others in our church. People we've got in our church who've come off addictions. You know, we encourage them to step out of their comfort zone. Share testimony. Preach when they're ready for that you know so it's it's all part of life ministry family life it all goes together
1: sometimes people identify a generation gap and parents get concerned that once their children hit teenage years uh, this gap means that your children are not looking at you as the role model any longer. Uh, they're looking for other role models. Uh, but there's something special about you which I want to identify, and, and listeners might have already picked this up, but as an evangelist, you like to get out on the streets in Hobart and some of the best... Uh, contacts that you have as an evangelist on the streets in Hobart is towards young people. So you have a real appreciation for where young people are at. And no doubt having your own children, uh, you know, mother of nine, uh, gives you a, a great insight into how to communicate to these kids on the street. But what you're picking up from kids on the street also bridges that generation gap for your own parenting. How do you reflect on just keeping young, keeping a young mindset so that you avoid this idea of there being a generation gap between you and your kids?
2: I, guess I don't even think about it, to be honest. <laughs> the sort a of generation gap. So I, just, I do a lot of things that I wouldn't do if I didn't have nine kids, you know, like my... Uh, 22-year-old son, you know, he does all kinds of things and he loves, you know, the real kind of out there Christian music, so I'm kind of like that too because I hang out with him a lot. Uh, so, you know, we get to do different things because our kids like doing different things as well. I do get tired, you know, because I am in my 50s now, so of course we get tired, can't do everything and I don't go riding motorbikes. Or do the wakeboarding on one of our sons has a speedboat, but I can go and watch. <laughs> I can <could> sit <laughs> the boat, yeah. um, you know. But even out on the streets, look, I I just believe God's opened up the door for me to be, in a sense, a mother pastor. That was a word God gave me quite a lot of years ago. Just being out there, because a lot of the kids I talk to don't hang around adults. So for me, in my fifties, to be there, hanging around, getting to know kids who are doing drugs, selling drugs, shoplifting, um, getting drunk every weekend. You know, it's none of that's in my experience, but somehow God has opened the door for me to be in there. And I think a lot of it's just showing love, you know, like a lot of these kids are doing the wrong thing, but it's encouraging them to do the right thing, you know, that it's not too late, you know, that they can still change around. And a few weeks ago, you know, I had someone at... uh, Youth night, who was really convicted about something, and it was just amazing just talking with this young guy, you know. So, those moments are just priceless when that happens. Or sometimes one of the kids will take me aside. One of them, I'd just done a sketch for her recently, and she walked with me to my car and she just opened up. She was struggling with some grief. A friend, a 19 year old friend, had just died suddenly. And so, just being there for them. And I think, obviously, that's my parenting is now being extended to the street work you know that you listen that you spend time with people that you show them they're not a burden that they're precious and valuable you know that they're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of god you know and no matter who they are what they've done that they still have all this potential in their lives to do the right thing if they'll get right with the
0: lord a biblical perspective on life culture and current events this is 2020
1: on vision christian radio Talking some down-to-earth parenting tactics today, Helen Devenish is our guest. She is an author of a book about evangelism, but she is also the mother of nine children, uh, all of them who are following the Lord. Now, growing up as a teenager, through all of the tumultuous times of teenage years, a lot of teenagers choose to turn their back on their parents' faith. And you might know of families who are just like that. And you might be hanging on every word that Helen is sharing today as we get into this conversation. In fact, we're nearing the close of our conversation. But, Helen, I want to talk about one of those things that's so important when it comes to our teenagers and that is the fact that what happens in teenage years starts when our children are much, much younger. So I wonder whether you can reflect a few moments on the sorts of things that you've done around dinner time and around the end of the day when you've got bedtime and those sorts of things with young children that helps to shape them into their teenage years. What are your thoughts on good parenting technique in that sense?
2: Okay, so for us, Breakfast and lunch was always a fend for yourself because having a big family, everyone in and out, different jobs, study, as they got to, you know, obviously we've had some at university and things like that. But um, with dinner time, we have no mobile phones at the table and obviously we don't have the TV. So we always sit around the table together. And obviously our table is open to others. I've brought kids from the streets back to have dinner with us. We've had atheists for dinner. We have different kinds of people for dinner. But we just really obviously encourage good conversation. It's a good time for everyone to share their day, what's been going on. And we always finish our dinner time. We start off with a prayer. We finish with a Bible reading. And as time has gone on, it used to always be my husband shared the Bible reading. But then as time's gone on, the kids do it. And our youngest daughter, Shalom, who's 11, she loves doing the Bible reading. And that includes sharing a few insights on the reading as well, and finishing with prayer. So I believe that's that's been a a nice part of our life, I believe, just not rushing away from the dinner table, you know, just sitting together, having time together. And then bedtime, that's always been an interesting time. When you homeschool, obviously there's not such a pressure to get to bed early, and actually it doesn't work in our house very well anyway. But often especially the last probably 15 years or so, the two houses we've been in in those times have been cabin upstairs. So we might even go on to bed before the kids, David and I, and we say goodnight to everyone and we go up the stairs and they would all follow us up, the ones that were still up. So they'd follow us up and then we'd spend maybe another half an hour in the bedroom just talking. And I think being available to talk to your kids, especially as they're teenagers and older, It's not necessarily going to happen when it's comfortable. You know, it might happen at the end of the day when you're already quite tired and then suddenly they have um, some questions, deep and meaningful questions they want to ask. But that's been a special time. One of our kids actually said that's been, he's now 25, said that that's been such a special time that he remembers following mum and dad up the stairs their bedroom so we couldn't get ready really but we talked with the kids so it's sometimes those little things as well that have such a big impact on our children just day in day out consistently doing those things not just pushing them away but just saying okay we'll talk you know so that's what we've done.
1: Well, loving the sorts of things that you've been sharing and if I'm reflecting on the way I feel as I hear you talk about those things, uh, when we love our children and every parent loves their children but we often struggle with the practical way that that love looks in the home and uh, just to hear you reflecting on dinner time and uh, around the table uh, bedtime and uh, not being too rigid on that bedtime but being available to talk to your children because they're talking through important issues and they've got important things that seem to come up at bedtime. Uh, Did you find that in raising your children... That this bedtime was such a significant time because this is when all of the important things seem to come to light.
2: That's right. And look, it's still going on, yes.
1: <laughs> It's still
2: going on. I rarely get to bed early. <laughs> often my husband goes on to bed because obviously he's got to get up early with work, you know. But I'm often up praying with kids, talking with kids. Even the eleven year old, she's a bit of a night owl, you know. So that's how it goes. But I think it's a precious time, and I think. My, I kind of have the policy, I guess, that don't say no unless you have to. You know, like there's some things we do need to be rigid on with our kids and, and we are pretty strict with the, like the phone thing and them not getting a phone till they work. But there's some things that we can just be flexible, you know, and things like talking with them out of hours, you know, that's, that's a good thing. Or if they're hungry, like we're often all in the kitchen or those that are still up 10.30, we're having our snacks because we're all hungry again, you know. But they're, they're fun times. That's good times as well, you know. So I think just learning as a parent when to be rigid and when to be flexible with our kids so that we're not just, you know, being a hard taskmaster. It's not about that. You know, that won't keep the heart of our child. But where can we just say, yeah, let's just do it, you know. Do it you know, this is fun and let's just do it. Okay. You know, but having the wisdom to know when to do that and when not to.
1: Well, Helen, lovely just getting your insights today and... Uh, no doubt there might be some who might be thinking, oh, I'm sure she's got a new book on the way. I'll point people to your first book, Let's Go Fearless Evangelism, and our conversation hasn't been about evangelism today, although uh, there's certainly a responsibility we have as parents in evangelism, in passing our faith on to our children. And so, in one sense, every parent has to be an evangelist uh, in their own home. But uh, uh, you're... Your church, uh, Church on the Rock, uh, meets on Sundays at Criterion House in Mathers Lane in Hobart. Yep. And uh, the website yep. is lovehobart.com. And uh, that's how you can be in touch with Helen. Uh, Helen Devnish, thank you so much, Helen, for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020.